This is a Federal News Network podcast. A bill from a House Republican would start to carry out recommendations from the congressionally chartered Cyberspace Solarium Commission. The bill has a lot to say about the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency and other federal cyber efforts. Joining me with the details, the ranking member of the House Homeland Security Subcommittee on Cybersecurity, Infrastructure Protection and Innovation, New York Representative John Katko. Mr. Katko, good to have you on. How are you doing today, my friend? Okay. And uh, tell us about this bill that is just introduced, and you've got some bipartisan support, I guess. Yeah, there's a number of bills. It's actually a package of bills. What happened was CISA, which is known as a Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, is one of the main components for cybersecurity in the United States. It's a sub-agency of Homeland Security. So what happened was last year in the NDAA bill, the National Defense Authorization Act, they formulated what's called the Solarium Commission to look at the cybersecurity vulnerabilities in our country, which are quite significant. And the good thing about this is it happened before a gigantic cyber crisis happened. And it's kind of like the 9-11 Commission happened after 9-11. This is happening before the major event, which uh, everyone suspects could happen at any time. So to me, um, it was really well-timed. And they issued a ton of recommendations. And a lot of the recommendations, at least 25 of them from the Solarium, have been included in the NDAA. And many of them sought to strengthen CISA and other things. And three of my bills were part of that as well. One of them talks about strengthening CISA and requires a GSA assessment of their facilities as well. And say, do you have enough resources? And I'll stop there, but there's a lot more to it than that. Well, one thing it would do is change the nature of the head of CISA. It would change the nature of the job in the way that person comes in. Tell us about that provision. Yeah, that's the CISA director and assistant director. What we realize is, first of all, in the cyber realm, the job shortages are in hundreds of thousands and, and, and closing in on a million. So it's a highly competitive field. And so we want people at CISA, even if they're not making as much money as the outside world, making as much as they can in the federal government and having a five-year term so it's not subject to the political machinations of the modern Congress and presidency. So giving them a five-year term and depoliticizing the assistant director position so that they don't have to be presidential appointments. By doing that, I think it really helps stabilize leadership there and entice people to come there and stay there and work there because we need talented people in CISA, especially at the leadership level. Got it. And then there's something there called the CISA Public-Private Talent Exchange Act. Give us more about that. Right on. That kind of goes right into what I was talking about with respect to the uh, personnel issue. It's very hard for CISA to take people and keep them there because the outside market is so lucrative. So a lot of times they come in and they get some experience and they leave and it's very hard. So what this public-private talent exchange does is a bill that I have. It creates and enhances the industry government exchange program for cyber professionals. It's kind of have like a cross-pollinization. People in CISA can go to private sector for a while and get loaned out and vice versa. And it really uh, fosters cybersecurity skills development and fosters interpersonal relationships that CISA needs with the private sector. And it's, it's really important because the cybersecurity issues in this country are profound, and you've got to have that public-private partnership, and this is what this helps us to do. And talk about some of the support you have. I guess Jim Langevin worked with you on these, and he's you know, well-known on the Democratic side to have cybersecurity as one of his chief pursuits. Yeah, and you know, people think bipartisanship is dead in Congress, and it's easy to think that way looking at the news these days, but it's just not true. Jim and I um, got together. We both have an interest in this area, and Jim was on the Solarium Commission. So I said, look, I'll take the laboring oar on the Republican side and make sure we get co-sponsors and get these things rolling. And because of our collaborative effort, we've been able to get literally dozens of very important Solarium recommendations into the NDAA bill 
and the NDAA bill is going to sail now. I think it's going to, it should sail in the Senate, so we shouldn't have a problem. Now they're going to become law. For a commission, a congressionally appointed commission, be formed one year, issue recommendations, and for the vast majority of those recommendations to become law the next year is, quite frankly, unheard of. And so this is what happens when you collaborate. I'm happy to work with Jim. He's a wonderful guy and a very talented member of Congress. We're speaking with New York Congressman John Katko, and with respect to the provisions that would ask CISA what its physical requirements are, its facilities needs, what's your sense of what it does need? What have you heard? Oh, my gosh. Uh, They're in like 9 or 10, 11, 12 different buildings. And it's not like we need this great big monolith of another agency, but we do need these people to be under one roof as best we can because we need to basically strengthen and clarify their authority, but also make sure that their funding is commensurate with what their mission is. And if you think about it from a domestic standpoint, their mission is to stop the greatest threat in our country today, and that is cybersecurity. And the only way to do that is to uh, make sure that they have the proper funding, but also make sure that they have the ability to uh, live under one roof as best they can so that collaboration within the agency happens. It it basically enhances their ability to carry out their role in in this most important area. I guess for that matter, it doesn't have to be in Washington, D.C., although there's still all that vacant land up by the old St. Elizabeth's, which part of Homeland Security is in there. Yeah, there, there's some discussion about that. There's some discussion about them being a little more south of the city in Virginia. But I think that the important thing is to get them in one place. You know, you got to think workforce too, right? And now where are these people that are already sacrificing much by working for the government, by working for the government and sacrificing a lot of the money they can make in the private sector? If you force them into the city, is that the right thing to do? And so all those things should be considered and take a look at CISA's recommendations and report to Congress within 30 days on how best to accommodate their mission. And I think that's really important. And it really dovetails with the commission's recommendations recommendations for an integrated cyber center within CISA. So you have some of the disparate agencies. And, you know, think about it like from 9-11, we knew that there was a bunch of disparate agencies dealing with anti-terrorism issues, even within the Department of Justice, that didn't always share the information and they didn't collaborate enough. But we fixed that. And I think basically it's the same idea here. We're trying to make sure that disparate uh, sub-agencies and some sub-offices within Homeland and within CISA are uh, all under one roof and all having that collaboration you need to get the best results and protect the country. And just to clarify, this package of bills with respect to CISA are part of the NDA at this point that's uh, being debated? They are. They are. They are part of the NDA. The public-private talent exchange, they're still working on that one. I know, but the assistant director, director is definitely part of it. And the strengthening CISA is part of it as well. So yeah, there's and there's, there's, there are scores of others. So we're really excited that we're, we're doing, it's one of kind of the quiet work you do in Congress that doesn't get noticed because it's not real sexy, but it's really important that we do this. Well, it gets noticed here. And once this fairly heavy lift is through and the NDAA presumably passes, what are you looking at for subsequent years with respect to cyber and the Solarian Commission? Well, I tell you, uh, for cyber and the Solarium Commission, it is implement the rest of the recommendations as best we can, but also just to make sure that from an oversight standpoint, we're continuing to closely monitor CISA's development. They're a relatively new sub-agency, but they are critically important across a whole .gov domain, but also across all America's cybersecurity vulnerabilities. And we got to make sure that they definitely have a better working relationship with the uh, Department of Defense, which is the other primary cybersecurity entity. And also, one of the things we're really pushing for, which I think would be critically important, is to get a uh, basically a national overseer of the cyber mission as a whole, kind of like what we had when the, in the drug when I was a drug prosecutor. They finally got a director of national drug control policy, and that was at the White House executive level, and he oversaw all the different agencies that deal with drug enforcement and drug policy. 
And we really kind of need that in a cyber realm, like a, a national cyber director that's at the executive level so that they can properly advise a president, but also look at things from a little more of a 30,000-foot level and see what Homeland's doing, see what CISA's doing under Homeland, see what the Department of Defense is doing and others, and, and just make sure that everything is synced properly. And I think it's going to be very important going forward. New York Congressman John Katko is the ranking member of the House Homeland Security Subcommittee on Cybersecurity, Infrastructure Protection, and Innovation. Thanks so much for joining me. Sure thing, man. Anytime. And let's get up and do some motorcycle riding in upstate New York. I'll see you up there. <laughs> we'll post this interview. Right, we'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, Confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.